0: of, with all due respect, Strong Opinions on
1: Welcome to another episode of With All Due Respect, the podcast that believes you can be what you want to. All you need is to get your boogie down. Greetings. I'm your host, Al Giroux. With me, as always, is my chief collaborator, Mr. Van Sanders. Mr. Sanders, are you getting your boogie down, sir?
0: I, I think the real question is, when am I not getting my boogie down?
1: I fell in love with Al Jarreau in high school, and not just for his songs, but the cover of his 1981 album, Breaking Away. Jarreau is on the cover wearing white linen pants, a pink polo shirt with a popped collar, under a beige unstructured jacket. I mean, I am talking S-M-O-O-T-H. Smooth, my brother. Now, according to our data, 38% of our listeners are hearing me on Apple and Spotify. So here is a tip. After this podcast, give a listen to the last two minutes of Al Jarreau's song, Roof Garden. Trust me, it's just what you're going to need after we are done here today. All right. We'd like to thank the Anchorage Daily News for hosting this podcast on their platform and remind listeners that the very strong opinions you hear on this podcast are mine and mine alone, and in no way, shape, or form represent the opinions of the Anchorage Daily News or their employees. We would also like to sincerely thank our listeners. By the time you hear my voice, our podcast odometer will have clicked past 35,000 downloads in only 32 shows. That's pretty amazing. Van and I thank you. And now is a good opportunity to update you on our transition to video. Van?
0: Yeah, so uh, this is a bit of an undertaking. Um, We're still really excited about it. It's going to take a little bit longer than we anticipated, but... Um, that's okay. We need to do it right and, and, uh, make sure that it's polished before we, uh, release. So, uh, yeah, we're just, um, working on the look, the feel, the flow. It's gonna, it's gonna pretty much be the exact same podcast, but we're gonna try to put Andrew's face up front along with some graphics to explain things. It's gonna take time to produce each episode, but I'm hoping to put together a template And that's the heavy lift. So once we have that ready, we're really excited to share.
1: Once again, we thank you. We thank you for spending time with us every week. On this episode of With All Due Respect, we change up our tune. Instead of politics, life, entertainment, we offer you politics, life, and intervention. Yes. I said intervention. In politics, Alaska's COVID response has become a three-ring circus. While Governor Mike Dunleavy's approval ratings take a hit due to his pandemic response, he finally breaks his silence on vaccinations, but he needs to do much more to help stop the spread of this killer virus. Meanwhile, in Juneau, the legislature not wanting to be left out of the public policy circus in the middle of a pandemic— fails to pass legislation to aid hospitals during the pandemic after lawmakers buried the bill in unrelated amendments. Closer to home, Mayor Dave Bronson's deadly ideological fight against science and proven pandemic measures continues to exacerbate the surge of the Delta virus. And as a political bonus, in a new political commentary, the podcast's own Fashionista has comforting words for Alaskans to let them know they are not alone in these crazy political times. In life, we take a look at a menswear fashion trend of the 90s that's making a comeback in 2021. Spoiler alert for all you Family Guy fans, Season 8, Episode 6, Zach Sawyer. And finally, in intervention, it's time for everyone, especially Alaska's political class, to stop using Nazis, Hitler, or the Holocaust as a blunt instrument during political debates. It's offensive and it's ignorant. So much to do, so little time. Let's get started by talking some politics.
0: politics. And now for some politics. politics.
1: Alaska's COVID response has become a deadly circus. Both state and local response to the surge of COVID has turned into an absolute Barnum and Bailey circus act while Alaskans are dying. Meanwhile, Alaska's largest hospital has an important message for you Quote, We're out of beds. Life-saving measures are not going to be possible in every case. Translation, pray to God in heaven above that you don't need us because we are full. Over the last two weeks, Alaska saw the second highest increase in COVID-19 hospitalizations among all states. Not some states, not West Coast states, but all 50 states. Alaska's 64% increase in hospitalizations over the last two weeks is well above the national average of 8%. That's eight times the national average. This has forced Alaska's largest hospital, Providence, Alaska Medical Center, to begin rationing care. So where is the leadership? With Governor Mike Dunleavy's approval ratings falling for his fumbling of the COVID response and record numbers of COVID patients overcrowding hospitals statewide... The governor finally broke his silence and strongly suggested Alaskans get vaccinated. I strongly urge folks to get a vaccine. I strongly urge them to do that, said Dunleavy. First, thank you, governor. Now, you're not done. It's time to saddle up and become a loud, loud advocate for vaccinations with Dr. Zink. First, you should head to your own backyard that boasts a 36% vaccination rate, the third lowest area in the state. And, Governor, let me tell you why you need to do that. The Matsu borough's current vaccination rate is only 36 percent. In Anchorage, the current vaccination rate is 56 percent. But here's the problem. Every day, 50,000 vehicles a day stream from the valley into Anchorage. Governor Dunleavy, unless you lead with strong advocacy on vaccinations in low-vaccinated areas, Alaska will continue to play whack-a-mole with covid You've already admitted the severity of the situation. You have a bully pulpit to advocate higher participation with vaccines, voluntary mask wearing, and you can lead by example. Meanwhile, in Juneau, the legislature, of course, not wanting to be left out of the COVID response circus, failed to pass a bill intended to relax state laws on telemedicine and healthcare workers. In the Senate, lawmakers added language that would have allowed Alaskans to opt out of vaccine mandates. In the House, they added language dictating hospitals' visitation policies. So at the end of the day, the bill had accumulated so much baggage that even the hospital association just said, hey, bugger all. So after a week of debating a fairly simple piece of legislation in the middle of a pandemic faced with overcrowded hospitals and dying Alaskans, the legislature took a pass. They took a pass on pandemic legislation requested by the people responsible for dealing with the deadly pandemic. Now, Van, would you please rewind the clip from show 31 on September 5th? In order to avoid issuing a disaster declaration that would ruin his entire political narrative... His choice is to propose easing health care regulations during a pandemic by filing a formal piece of legislation that must go through the entire lengthy legislative process instead of simply signing the declaration and having it happen immediately. So, ladies and gentlemen, after a week of debate, after a week of committee delays, after a week of listening to insufferable grandstanders like Senator Shelley Hughes, you remember her? You know, the one who wanted to send out huge dividends to create small businesses? Well, let me tell you. Senator Hughes loaded a bill intended to speed telemedicine during a pandemic with an unrelated provision that would have exacerbated the pandemic. How? How? She proposed creating financial penalties for small businesses that chose to protect their employees, their customers, and the public by adopting a mask mandate. This is a state senator that represents the third least vaccinated area in Alaska. And yet, here she is penalizing private business owners who are trying to protect themselves against the unvaccinated. As my mother used to say to me as a kid... Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, please. So, ladies and gentlemen, after a week of debate, after a week of committee delays, after a week of political grandstanding, the legislature took a pass. Alaska's COVID response has become an absolute circus. There is little leadership from the governor. There is no leadership from the legislature. And there is no safety net. For Alaskans fighting against a crippling pandemic that continues to spread. Locally, Mayor Dave Bronson's deadly ideological fight against COVID restrictions and proven pandemic measures continues to exacerbate the surge of Delta virus and its record path of destruction. As his Anchorage residents continue to get sick. As his hospitals continue to overflow with COVID patients. Mayor Bronson has replied to all of them, to the community, to the community he is supposed to protect. Mayor Bronson has replied, quote, I don't know what more we can do. He went on to say if people or citizens are counting on politicians to make their personal health care decisions for them, we're in a pretty sad state. Hashtag Roe v. Wade. However, this isn't a personal health decision. It's a public health decision, and people throughout history have counted on politicians to protect public health. To this day, most schools and universities require a series of vaccines for students to enroll based on statutes passed by politicians. For instance, to walk through the doors as a student at any anchored school, you are legally required to be vaccinated against polio, hepatitis A, hepatitis B, just to name a few. This is not a personal health care decision because students risk infecting other students while science has given us a way to protect all of them. Meanwhile, back at the Bronson Ranch, the number of patients hospitalized with COVID-19 rose again, setting yet another new record. By Tuesday, the state health department reported 202 COVID-19 patients in Alaska, the most ever. More than 30% of adults hospitalized at Providence were COVID-positive. Providence, the state's largest hospital, announced it was rationing care in response to an overwhelming number of COVID patients. A hospital director said, quote, We're out of beds. Life saving measures are not going to be possible in every case. Ladies and gentlemen, This is Alaska's largest hospital telling you that due to the surge in COVID cases, even if you are sick, I mean really, really sick, like heart attack, stroke, or injury sick, you might not get treated. Now, last month on our episode about the Dr. Morgan fiasco, we mentioned how his appointment caused the resignation of two senior health officials. In fact, Van, would you please play that clip from show 27? As a result of Morgan's appointment, Anchorage lost two of its top public health officials who, in my opinion, resigned rather than face with reporting to someone whose views would have continued to put the public's health at risk. Well, this past week in an interview, one of those officials said, I'm horrified right now. We've got a situation where the health care system is just in total crisis. They are asking for help and no one will do anything. Meanwhile, Mayor Bronson who appointed Morgan, who caused the resignation of Anchorage's top two epidemiologists, said about the pandemic, once again, quote, I don't know what more we can do. The only thing the mayor of Alaska's largest city has to say to his constituents is, I don't know what more we can do. Mayor, we can do a lot more. In fact, how about taking the advice of the dozens of frontline medical workers who showed up at the assembly meeting recently to tell you what you can do to save lives today? Masks, distancing measures, encouraging vaccinations, highlighting overcrowded hospitals. I don't know what more we can do, says the man who promised he knew what to do when it came to COVID. So I guess as it turns out for Mayor Dave Bronson, Managing a city of 280,000 people requires more qualifications and more skill than standing among supporters yelling into a bullhorn about failed liberal leadership. But seriously, ladies and gentlemen, what should we have expected from Bronson? This is a mayor who has nominated a head librarian who believes this deadly virus is a, quote, crock of shit. Dave Bronson was never qualified to lead Anchorage, and he sure as hell shows no signs of wanting to learn during this time of health crisis. So today, in a city with increasing sickness and death, amidst passionate cries for help, Anchorage Mayor Delta Dave Bronson has just left the building. In a special political commentary on today's episode, the podcast fashionista Maya Nolan Partnow shares with us why Alaskans who are glum about politics shouldn't feel alone.
2: I was born and raised in Alaska, and I spent most of my life under the impression that we had, hands down, the wildest, weirdest, most outlandish political shenanigans in the country. It seemed like a reasonable assumption. What other state had a congressman known for waving walrus genitalia or complaining to teenagers about artistic representations of anal sex or an entire political party dedicated to the belief that the state should secede from the union, complete with a founder who died in either a plastic explosive sale gone wrong or a covert federal hit job, depending on who you ask? Even after I spent years living outside, nothing I experienced as an adult made me doubt Alaska's distinction. I once chatted with former Governor Wally Hickel as he segued smoothly from his role in winning statehood into his proposal to establish mining operations in outer space. I spent another day fielding phone calls from national media after my boss was handcuffed by a campaign security guard who turned out to be an FBI informant in the sovereign citizen movement, a story he chronicled with help from a once-anonymous political blogger who had been doxxed by a sitting state representative and newspaper columnist turned mystery writer. Then I moved to Wisconsin, the land of beer and cheese and cured meats and, as it turns out, absolutely bananas politics. I now live in a state where policy is largely influenced by a billionaire office supplies magnate and a coalition of bar owners. I'm represented in the U.S. Senate by a person who somehow gets reelected despite being a vocal supporter of outsourcing manufacturing jobs in a state where one of the top three industries is, wait for it, manufacturing. Our state lawmakers routinely lock antlers over things like introducing Black History Month resolutions honoring white people. But it's not just Wisconsin. Look around the nation, and it's clear that political people everywhere have lost their damn minds. We've got plots to kidnap state leaders, Kardashians campaigning to unseat governors, legislators opening the doors of their own state houses to insurrectionists, preying on interns. That doesn't even crack the front page anymore. It turns out, just as the Cheshire Cat said to Alice, we're all mad here. Not that that makes Alaska any less special. It's still the weirdest, wildest, most outlandish place in lots of other ways. But when it comes to political shenanigans, it seems the rest of the U.S. is ready to give us a run for our money.
0: And now, let's talk about life. Let's talk about life.
1: All right, let's talk some life. A few episodes back, the podcast Fashionista opined on the return of a popular women's fashions from the 1990s. So, men, now it's your turn. This month, GQ Magazine heralded the return of long sleeve t shirts worn under short sleeve shirts. The layering trend, whose coolness was shown in Family Guy, Season 8, Episode 6, when we were introduced to high schooler Zack Sawyer, has once again become a popular thing. My name is Zach Sawyer. I wear long sleeve shirts under short sleeve shirts under long sleeve shirts. This look that became the uniform of grunge rock in the 1990s, according to GQ, is what everyone is wearing in 2021. The look that was a signature of Kurt Cobain from Nirvana in the 90s and had its roots back in the 70s and 80s with skateboarders and surfers has returned to closets everywhere. This podcast has personally always been a fan of this look from the days of fast times at Ridgemont High. So parents, I say to you as a fashion consigliere, if your son says he wants to go to school dressed like Jeff Spicoli, I say, hey, there could be worse things in life than saving Brooke Shields from drowning and then blowing the reward money by hiring Van Halen to play at your birthday party. In closing comments, ladies and gentlemen, I ask for a little bit of leeway. Instead of politics, life, and entertainment, today's episode is going to be politics, life, and intervention. Let's all stop with the Hitler, the Nazi, and especially the Holocaust comparisons. Over the last two weeks, more and more politicians have been making comparisons between proposed public policies and the Holocaust, Two weeks ago, when asked about pandemic mandates, Governor Dunleavy said it's not 1938, referring to Nazi-era Germany and the Holocaust. This past week, Sarah Hannon, a representative from Juneau, gave a speech where she stated Nazi experiments were horrible, but yet they yielded results. Then not to be outdone, Representative Sarah Vance from Homer said Alaskans should consider the Holocaust when assessing Alaska's COVID-19 pandemic response and then reference the Nuremberg trials. And finally, this week, it was discovered that Anchorage Mayor Dave Bronson penned an article on a far-right website saying Adolf Hitler actually did some good things. Bronson reasoned that, yeah, while Hitler murdered six million Jewish people between 1933 and 1945, he also built some decent good roads and spent weekends with his kids. Side note, what the hell would possess Bronson or any rational human being to publish this? I mean, what is it you would get up in the morning and think, I'm going to write a written piece that says, you know what? Yeah, Hitler was bad, but he wasn't really bad. He did some actual good things before he turned bad. Ladies and gentlemen, that might be an indication of what to expect the next three years of Dave Bronson's view of leadership. So could we please enact a no-Nazi comparison moving forward? Let's all make a pledge to drop all Nazi comparisons in the future. The Nazis sought the total eradication of the Jewish people. There is no comparison except other instances of genocide. No comparisons. But yet such analogies are often used to end debate and silence the opposition. If you're the governor and you don't like the conversations about supporting mandates, compare it to 1938 Germany. If you're a representative and you oppose a piece of legislation, compare it to the Holocaust or invoke Nuremberg. And if you're a far-right politician, try to sing to your base you write about how Hitler wasn't always bad. These offensive arguments are not just unconvincing and weak. They're destructive and further polarize an already polarized electorate. There are only three situations that are ever appropriate to reference Nazis. Number one, you can mention Nazis when you're actually talking about Nazis. Number two, a regime that engages in acts of genocide can be compared to Nazis. And finally, number three, an individual or government that threatens to eliminate another people may be compared to Hitler or Nazis. Ladies and gentlemen, the world is 4.5 billion years old. Surely there is another less offensive example that politicians can evoke, right? And there is the music, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what that means. Our time is up. Please remember our podcasts are new on Thursday. Van, how about throwing us your website details?
0: Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, if you visit abodabobrand.com, that's A-B-O-D-A-B-O-B-R-A-N-D.com, you can see a little bit more about what I do and uh, touch base with me.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our time, and we thank you for yours. And again, Van and I, thank you for your support. The last four months have been enjoyable, and we certainly look forward to the future. Take care, everybody.